Hi everyone and welcome to Privacy Beat where we bring you all of the latest news in privacy. We give you great tips for how to protect your online privacy. We dive into all kinds of interesting stories and today we've got a bunch of cool things to dive into. We're going to be talking about Google uh, and their change of hearts. They are now allowing people to re remove their own telephone numbers from their search which is kind of nice. We'll dive into that. I'll also talk to you about how to get your private details off the internet. Important tools for you guys to have. Uh, we're also going to be diving into Elon Musk and his Twitter purchase and all the brand new schemes he has. In particular, he wants to add end-to-end -end encryption. It's actually not the first time Twitter has tried to implement this. We're going to dive into some interesting facts about the history with end-to-end -end encryption. And we're also going to dive into the giant news this week by favorite news this week and i'm so glad we could uh, finally release this news uh snowden was involved in the creation of zcash what uh mbtv has been sitting on this news for many months now and yesterday we released a video diving into it but today we actually have special guest uh nathan wilcox who is a co-creator of zcash here to chat with us so i'm going to go ahead and introduce him uh bring him onto the show nathan thank you so much for chatting with us today yeah i'm excited to be here yeah, this is not the first time on NBTV. We have uh, many videos where we've highlighted interviews from you. We always love chatting with you, but we appreciate your time today. Um, so this news, Snowden, involved in the creation of Zcash, give us a broad overview of how he was involved, because a lot of people are like, what, he was a founder? It's like, no, 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 he's not a founder. But there's this special thing called a ceremony, and he was involved with that. And it's like this, one of the most mysterious things in crypto. Like, I love this whole ceremony that people talk about, because it was so secretive at the time that all we ever heard about it was like whispers and little bits and pieces. And now over the years, more information has come out about it. Super interesting stuff. So just dive into those details for me, how he was involved, just for our audience. Yeah, so the, the ceremony was like a technical process we needed to do in order to deploy Zcash. Um, and it's interesting that you asked me about his involvement because I didn't know he was involved until just several months ago. Um, so... Uh, from my perspective, uh, I was working to organize this process to carry out this, this technical um, uh, goal to help launch the Zcash currency. And the purpose of the process was to sort of involve multiple people to set up some um, cryptographic data that's necessary for, uh, that was necessary for Zcash to operate. Um, but there was a risk there that if any one uh, person had control of all of that cryptographic data, um, they could compromise the system by creating uh, like counterfeit Zcash. Uh, so what we wanted to do was try to get multiple people involved uh, such that if any one of them uh, faithfully followed the process and competently deleted their piece of the secret, uh, the end result would be safe, uh, and we called that the ceremony. It had about it had six participants, and at the time um, there was one pseudonymous participant, and I didn't know who it was until just uh, fall of last year. 
Uh, and so, I have to put, make a point yeah. about that because that really is a testament to the awesome OPSEC and the awesome respect for privacy and security that the Zcash team has, that you, as a co-creator of Zcash, who was involved in the ceremony yourself, you're, you know, the brother of Zuko, another co-creator of Zcash, like you're, you're, you're right in the heart of this. And yet you didn't know who was involved because Snowden obviously wanted his participation private until he mm -hmm. felt that it was time to reveal it. So even you didn't know. I think that's kind of awesome. It's one of my new favorite things about this whole process. Yeah. Um, um, sometimes, you know, we need to, um, for like computer security or technical security, we need to like carry out a process without knowing all of the details. So like a more common example is um, you might be making an, a phone app and it's going to take users' passwords, but as the creator, you'd never want to know individual users' passwords. So that's like a, a much more common example. Um, so it just made sense to us that uh, it made sense to me to carry out this process. I don't need to know who's involved. All I need to help ensure is that at least one person is trustworthy and competent. And so because of that, it was easy to accept adding unknown participants um, because they couldn't, uh, they, they couldn't undo the benefit as long as any of the remaining participants were, were good. Um, I, I was involved in a, a different kind of secret around the ceremony where we had one participant, uh, and we, we didn't tell this to anyone. So I think only Zuko and I knew, and no, other people like at the ECC team didn't know, and other participants in the ceremony didn't know. Um, but one of the participants was uh, NCC Group, which is um, a really professional uh, info security auditing team, and they ran the whole process um, in a forensics lab with like specialized equipment, uh, taking snapshots of memory um, and things of that nature so that they could analyze the whole process. And our thinking there was, okay, if somebody's trying to do something funky, maybe we could catch them red-handed. Uh, mm -hmm. They didn't discover anything. Uh, that's not a guarantee, you know, that there wasn't a, a flaw, but it was something, uh, another example of a different kind of secret that I was party to. Uh, and so we had a few of these kinds of secrets going into this process in order to try to ensure that it would be safe and successful. For sure. And I wanted to play a couple of sound bites from Snowden. So Zcash Media actually broke this story. They um, released this great video and got this exclusive interview with Snowden. So let's go ahead and, and uh, just play his reveal for people because I think that's pretty cool. My name is Edward Snowden. I participated in the Zcash uh, original ceremony uh, under the pseudonym John Doberton. Uh, the reason that I did that was uh, I, I saw it being worked on by a number of uh, trusted academic cryptographers, and I thought it was a very interesting project. It's uh, it's just real. I don't know. I, it's so cool because I've been a big fan of Zcash for a while, and obviously I have literally posters of Zcash on my of uh, Snowden on my wall. And so when I found out that he was involved, I, my my mind was blown a little bit. Um, but I would love to know about your participation. You participated in the ceremony as well, and it's cool to see all the different perspectives of all the different participants. What was your mm -hmm. favorite memory from the ceremony? Well, you know, my actually, so my participation was around sort of organizing the process and 
figuring out like the schedule and how to budget it and things of that nature. Uh, so, so actually one of my favorite memories is kind of funny to say is that I wasn't one of the active participants uh, because it, it required, I think, maybe three days. They, they were, um, they had to remain like at their computers working on this process and each step took a long time. So they had to hang out near their computer. Uh, we wanted them to have good operational security so they couldn't really like leave, take a walk or anything. Um, and so I just got to hear about that, but I got to sleep at night. So, um, <laughs> your favorite me, memory was, uh, <laughs> was actually getting some sleep, unlike everyone else. Rest, yeah. <laughs> leading That's up pretty to hilarious. It, uh, yeah. Leading up to it, I didn't get much rest, but when the actual event happened, it was, um, you know, it was, uh, not you as, were cozy uh, in bed, and everyone else was like in front of their computer, like ah, <laughs> bloodshot eyes. Um, I do, before I go into the next soundbite from Snowden, I wanted to remind everyone that we do have a quiz throughout the show. Keep an eye on the bottom of your screen. You'll see those quiz questions pop up. Make sure that you add your answers in the chat and we'll be keeping an eye on that. Whoever gets all three answers correct wins eternal privacy beat glory which is a wonderful thing to win so make sure that you are uh testing your your privacy skills and answering those um but i want to play this other soundbite from snowden where i just he just mentions why privacy is so important i thought this was just a great bite when we look at uh cryptocurrencies in general uh, we generally see the cryptographic properties of it uh, being used to make sure it's a fair ledger uh, but not that it's been used to uh, ensure that it's a private ledger. Uh, Bitcoin, quite famously, is an open ledger. Uh, the problem with that is you can't have truly uh, free trade uh, unless you have private trade. Uh, and you can't have a free society without free trade. So that, I mean, I love that quote. Uh, Snowden has always been such an outspoken advocate for privacy, but I love that he's pushing this conversation forward about the importance of privacy in money because everyone just take, you know, uses their credit card, sends their bank all their information, is quite happy being all these details on the internet. And he's just really pressing this narrative that no privacy is essential. So talk to me about that, about how Zcash in particular pushes that privacy forward. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing that jumps out to me is you, you say everyone uses their credit card and so on and so forth. And that's, that's quite true, like in my experience and with the people I know. Um, but there's actually a lot of people who don't have access to safe and secure ways to transmit money or hold money. Um, so I've, I've seen multiple anecdotes, for example, of people fleeing Ukraine or Russia and needing, like fleeing for their life and they can't carry their belongings with them. And they're at great risk of being like intercepted and robbed. Um, and some of those people used cryptocurrency and it was a lifeline to allow them to, uh, to escape and to have resources where they arrived. Um, so I think the, the focus when building cryptocurrencies and our focus at Zcash is that we're building an infrastructure that is for everyone. And that means we need to consider, you know, the experiences of people around the world who might not have um, 
the, the kind of environment we do. And that being said, already in, in the world I inhabit in the US, paying with credit cards too often, um, there's also uh, widespread privacy concerns and implications around that. And there are people in the US who uh, are deplatformed or have their bank accounts closed, even though they're not doing anything unethical or illegal, um, but simply because other people may not like what they're doing or consider it too risky. So like one example might be various kinds of legal sex work that's consensual. Um, many times sex workers have problems um, keeping their, their payment systems operational and their bank accounts open. So even in the US, there are cases and we, we, we have to we have to think beyond just our local experience with our local friends and build a system yeah. that is neutral and protects everyone equally. I think that's such a great point. And I think that you guys do such a great job in, in promoting that narrative, reminding people that not everywhere in the world is the same as it is where you live. And some people around the world have such a tremendous need for this privacy. I think everyone has the need for privacy. I don't think it matters where you are. I think everyone should be thinking about this, but I have a privacy channel, so I'm a little bit biased there. Um, the final, uh, actually, I'm going to um, skip. So Snowden also talked about in uh, his interview saying that he's really happy to see Zcash is pushing the envelope forward. They've always been on the cutting edge of privacy technology, um, but now they're going into this Halo upgrade where they get rid of this trusted setup entirely. This is just going to be a really quick final um, uh, segment. I know it's going to be hard to do a quick answer to this, but just uh, give me a broad overview of what this Halo upgrade is and why our audience might be interested in Zcash and this Halo upgrade. Yeah, so Halo is very exciting. It is um, a new kind of cryptography called zero-knowledge proving cryptography, which is sort of the basis of how Zcash provides strong privacy. Um, this new kind, uh, which we call Halo, doesn't require these setup ceremonies. And I think these setup ceremonies are actually a large hurdle to adoption of this kind of technology elsewhere. We went to great lengths to make it happen. Some people thought that um, uh, we shouldn't do that because the technology is, wasn't ready yet. So this is an indication that the, if the technology gets ready, like if the technology is more safe and more dependable, uh, we could hopefully see it deployed more widely across more kinds of infrastructure. Um, and Halo is super exciting. It gets rid of that issue. It has some other advantages. It maintains the strong privacy. It is a potential building block for different kinds of scalability. Um, and a really important key point is that it works on a mobile phone. Um, so, ah, I mean, to me, I remember users... back in the day, like when Zcash <laughs> was first launched, and I think a lot of people were like, oh, I can't use this thing, and they stopped, and they should probably get started again. Because uh, back in the day, it used to take up like four gigs of RAM to encrypt mm -hmm. a, a, a transaction. So no one was using encrypted transactions. People were like, I'm just going to use this, like the Bitcoin blockchain, right? It's way too data intensive and computationally intensive to run these encrypted uh, um, transactions. And then 
with the sampling pool, I mean, all of that just improved so much. I use Zcash on my phone all the time. In fact, I've got a, ah, I've got a nice little sticker on there. Um, nice. But it's it's like super quick. I pay for the, like uh, my food. I, in fact, I just bought a salad yesterday. I paid with Zcash and it took like two seconds for that to uh, happen. No, correction. I didn't pay with Zcash. My friend uh, who was with me paid with Zcash. I paid with a different cryptocurrency that day. Just want to be accurate. Um, but it took like two seconds, right? So I don't think people realize mm -hmm. how advanced the technology has gotten. I do want to just address some FUD that's going on in the chat because I get this on all my videos. It like, it, it's so frustrating, guys. You, you'll like spread these narratives that are so completely false. So now that we have an, a Zcash expert on the show, we may as well like just blow these myths out of the water. We've got one person saying like, oh, well, you know, since Zcash started out as optional privacy, your entire blockchain is compromised. It's like, that's so ridiculous. Do you understand how zero knowledge proofs works? Once mm. you send a transaction that's shielded, that can't be linked to anything. That can't be linked to anything. It's a zero knowledge proof. It's all completely encrypted. It's not like it's one of many outputs and you can kind of guess which one it is by tracing it back. It's completely encrypted. You put the money in to the shielded uh, address and when you take it out, no one knows. No one knows. Like it's just, it's so crazy that people think that everything has to be private for the price. It's like, here's, here's the analogy that I'm just gonna share with you. It's like saying that the lock on your door is rubbish because a lot of people choose to keep their doors unlocked. It's like, what, what, why? Mm. How does that even remotely explain where, like the efficacy of a lock? Like it doesn't, if you use the lock, it's really, really good. That's gonna keep your front door really shut. And if a bunch of people choose not to close their front doors, okay, but what has that got to do with how well the lock works when people use it? And the lock on Zcash works really, really, really well. So I just wanted to bring that up, but Nate, I'm sure you deal with this kind of FUD all the time. People are mm. like, oh, we don't like people having choice. We don't like them, you know, being able to do transparent uh, transactions and shielded transactions. Therefore, we're just going to hate on this thing. I think it's crazy. But like, how do you deal with this stuff? Um, okay, so I think, first of all, there actually is some merit to um, that concern. So what, what we find is when people have... Um, really strong privacy, that's great when they're sort of um, interacting within the bounds of the system that provides strong privacy. But the Achilles heel is always when uh, you're interacting outside of, of what that technology can provide. And uh, the Zcash protocol allows transparent transactions similar to Bitcoin. Uh, and there's reasons for doing that. We believe um, that helps, uh, well, first of all, it gives people a choice. So some people may want to have transparent funds and transparent payments for particular uses. Can I just add a use case why that might be useful? Because sure. I literally can't buy most privacy coins on most of the exchanges that I use. I mean, sure, I buy crypto from friends, but if you want to uh, you know, not buy it just from friends and rely on them giving up their crypto, you should get it from an exchange. So many exchanges have delisted privacy coins, but they haven't delisted Zcash because you can use it transparently. I literally can buy Zcash on a bunch of different exchanges, send it transparently to my wallet, 
and then just send a shielded transaction. All of that disappears and no one knows when I move it again. But the point you made, mm -hmm. Nate, about all that external information, potentially compromising data, I think that is key. And it doesn't just apply to Zcash. It applies to every yeah. cryptocurrency you're using, you know, making sure that you block your IP address when you're doing things, making sure that you understand that every time you log into your wallet, you know, who's that pinging in order to give you the balance in that wallet? Is that pinging it, you know, transparently and so that anyone who keeps a log of that knows exactly which addresses you're looking up and therefore can attach them mm -hmm. to you like all of this stuff is so important not just for zcash but for every cryptocurrency and maybe we should do a whole video on you know privacy and wallets and all those other things yeah i i just want to say that that was that was where i was headed um which is that uh, like the protocol itself can have privacy protections but it doesn't matter unless the wallet you're using or the front ends, it could be web browsers, it could be other things, uh, are designed to protect your privacy. And I just have a pretty deep belief that what are people going to be using cryptocurrency to do? Well, one case might be people interacting in the real world and they're both using um, a protocol with strong privacy and good private wallets and they interact and that has strong privacy. But I think many people uh, in the cryptocurrency space and around the world using the internet are going to be want, are, are want to, they will want to interact with all kinds of things on the internet, including other cryptocurrencies, um, websites, so on and so forth. And if we really want to protect uh, people, we need to protect uh, the kinds of behaviors that they want to do. And the starting place for that, for cryptocurrencies is wallets. So, mm -hmm. um, you can have a Zcash wallet that doesn't provide good privacy and it uses the transparent stuff and it doesn't protect your network information. Or you can have one that protects your privacy and we're focused on making that work really well. And so we have sort of a paradigm for what those kinds of wallets are and should do. Well, it's which like we a template, right? Default. It's like an SDK that you're putting out, just so that beginners who are watching this understand, you guys put a lot of emphasis into building this template that wallet providers can kind of take and then just integrate what you guys have already designed. And you've specifically designed all this stuff for these wallets to be super privacy conscious. Yeah, that, that's uh, one thing we're providing. But overall, it's not just the building blocks, but what is the behavior of the wallet? So we're trying to educate wallet creators um, to make certain choices to uh, preserve privacy. Uh, and I mean, that's, that's true awesome. for uh, like multi-currency wallets or wallets doing things with smart contracts and so forth. We want to um, sort of extend this sort of privacy protection of the end user across the space of wallets. I almost feel like wallets are in a way more important than protocols in that sense. Yeah. I think that it's so, um, I mean, privacy is scary. Privacy is difficult. Privacy is confusing. I don't think many people realize how many ways their privacy can be leaked. That's what we try to do on the channel. Give you guys like little bits of information that's actionable items. Like here's a way that your privacy is being leaked. Here is how you fix it. Um, but it's a long process and it's constantly evolving. Mm -hmm. But you guys are just doing such great work in pushing that envelope forward when it comes to privacy and money. Constantly on the cutting edge of developing new privacy technology with 
cryptocurrency. It's just so awesome to see all the stuff you guys are coming out with and to kind of, you know, trust the work that you're doing because you have so many respected cryptographers working on this stuff. It's it's really cool. So congratulations. I'm looking yeah, forward thanks. to that Halo upgrade. That's at the end of May that that happens. We get unified addresses. We get private by default. We get all these cool things. Elimination of the trust is set up. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye on that. Looking forward to that upgrade. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Nathan. This has been super. And we're going to dive into Google News now. So I will catch you later and hopefully have you back on NBTV soon. All right. Thanks. All right. So Google, they have some very interesting news that they're coming out with. Your phone number is probably on Google. Let's be honest. Your home address is probably on Google. Your private, most sensitive information is probably on Google. And apparently Google has now begun entertaining people's requests to remove search results containing this kind of sensitive information, which includes, you know, search results that include your phone number, email address, all of that. It's interesting because previously Google has really been focused on access to information. They want to make sure that this information is all, you know, in the open. But now they're kind of transitioning. They're being more cognizant of privacy. They're still terrible on privacy. Don't get me wrong. They're terrible. But it's nice that they're now making that more of a priority and removing this kind of information. Um, so it's interesting. They've expanded its removal policies. Uh, and this has followed global demand from users and evolving norms about what sort of information is okay to put on the internet, et cetera. Um, and potential threats posed by easy access to contact details. I mean, where this digital age keeps evolving and we start learning about how dangerous it can be to just have all this private information available. Michael Basil, um, who's a, one of the best uh, privacy security experts, I think, in the world, in my opinion, and he has some great books you guys should definitely buy. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll put links in the, in the description, but they may already be there. Um, he talks about how it is so important to just be aware of where your information is. He provides great little tools of how to remove all this stuff. I'll dive into those in a, in a minute. Uh, but basically, users are increasingly unwilling to tolerate this kind of content online, and there are solutions. Now, Google, previously, they actually would only accept requests to remove web pages that shared contact information alongside some sort of threat or required payment for removal. So if like there was an explicit threat, they would remove it. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't, which is kind of bad. But now they're actually um, changing that and they're allowing people to petition them, put in a notice saying, I want this to be removed and they will remove it. Um, now, they apparently receive tens of thousands of requests annually in recent years, and they approve only about 13% of these. So they don't just remove anything from the internet that you request. 13% approves. But the expectation now is that this approval rate will grow. Uh, it'll become larger because they've expanded their policy as to what kind of information they will remove. Now, one thing that I just want to mention before we tie this up is this does not remove content from the internet. This Google is not the internet, although it may seem like it at times. Uh, this just removes the information from Google. So their index of the information. So when you do a Google search and what information comes up and is visible and findable on Google. So be aware of that. Now, if you actually want this information to be removed from the internet entirely, you may have seen like services out there that say, oh, delete me from the internet. You'll pay for a service or whatever, and they'll go through and they'll request all this information uh, to be taken down. Michael Bezel that I mentioned previously, he actually recommends you don't do this. And he gives a lot of reasons for this. One of the big reasons 
reasons is that they just don't do a good job. They leave up all kinds of information and you can just do it yourself. So it just requires you reaching out to these people finder websites directly, asking for your information to be removed. Generally, they'll have like a link or whatever. Um, so you can do that. Now, it can get more tricky. There have been so many people finding websites popping up recently um, from China. And they just have so much private information about everyone on there and they will ignore requests a lot of the time. You won't even get a response. Now, Michael has a really sneaky tip for handling that is that if you find out who is hosting their website and you actually file complaints against them, they're more likely to reach out to the website and the website doesn't want to be deplatformed from their hosting provider. So then they're more likely to make a difference, take that information down. So just a nice little trick if you're looking into taking that stuff off. I also want to dive into the Elon news. So as we all know, wonderful, exciting news, Elon Musk has bought Twitter for $44 billion dollars right? So this is big news in terms of freedom of speech on the platform, but we're going to be talking about one particular change that he wants to make. He wants to make direct mess messages on Twitter end-to-end -end encrypted to add to the security of users. Now, he put out this tweet. He said that Twitter DMs should have end-to-end -end encryption like Signal so no one can spy or hack your messages. And when he tweeted that, everyone went crazy and was like, oh my god, he's adding privacy. This is awesome. Uh, First of all, like what's end-to-end -end encryption? It's basically encryption that means that only the sender and recipient of something can read it. It means that Twitter would not be able to read your messages. It means they would not be able to log them, hand them over, hand over the content to law enforcement, to third parties, to advertisers, whoever they might want to share this information with. Employees at Twitter wouldn't be able to access it. It just creates really great privacy and it's absolutely what they should be doing. Um, and especially if you remember a couple of years ago there was a giant twitter hack and people like obama and elon musk and all these people had their accounts hacked and started tweeting out things about crypto saying hey send money to this account and i will send it back in twofold or whatever a typical crypto scam um but they could have done so much more damage what if they had hacked into the twitter messages of everyone downloaded all of the contents had all this private information simply because they had this all-powerful kind of god mode key keys to the kingdom and so this basically takes away that risk from platforms by them not actually keeping that information storing it in plain text they reduce that liability and it's just a really great thing for platforms to consider so why hasn't twitter considered this before actually they have 2018 TechCrunch, they were the first to report on this. Apparently, this new feature was discovered in Twitter's APK. Uh, Twitter never officially confirmed the feature, but they were exploring end-to-end -end encryption then. So what happened? Why didn't this eventuate? Well, if you look at what happened over the ensuing years, Facebook was embroiled in a major privacy battle with the US government. Facebook also, they were under fire because of the... Um, uh, Cambridge Analytica scandal and privacy breaches, all of that. So they said, okay, we're going to go full privacy. We are going to end-to-end encrypt our messages. We're really going to promote privacy. And the US government, after chastising them about the, you know, bad privacy, then said, actually, we're not going to allow you to have good privacy. You know, Lindsey Graham famously said in, uh, in Congress, like, in terms of like making sure the government had back doors to all messages, they told Facebook, you're going to do this or we're going to do this for you. There was this whole thing, many many days of Senate hearings where they just like pummeled uh, Facebook and said you cannot add end-to-end -end encryption to your platform. So what did Facebook do in response to that? 
They were going to roll it out for everyone. They ended up just rolling out a tiny little beta program, which was secret messages you have to opt into. No one ended up using them because it's hard to find and everyone just kind of ignored it. And I would, oh, I would bet 100% that, let's say 99.99999% that Twitter was absolutely under the same scrutiny. They tried to add end-to-end -end encrypted messages, like billions of users across the world. There is no way that law enforcement is going to want that. And so, I am almost sure that uh, government just pushed back against that. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen now. Elon has come in all fresh-faced and saying, hey, let's add in this feature that clearly Twitter has been wanting to add for four years and hasn't been able to. And, uh, and so I'm interested to see what kind of headway he can make. I mean, he is kind of the king of just pushing the envelope forward and executing on things. He does tweet a lot of things that I'm sure will never come to fruition, but he is someone who seems to execute on things. So very interested to see whether he can pull this off. I, I mean, that would be so awesome, adding privacy and pri private communication to so many people. That would be super awesome. Oh, we got a, a super chat there uh, from Barra who, uh, who sent through some support for the channel. I really appreciate that, Barra. We rely on all of our viewers to support the channel. We do not have paid endorsements. We do not do advertising on the channel or promo spots or anything like that. And so all of it is driven just by community support. So I really appreciate that support there. Um, so on that note, everyone, let's let's wrap up this, this whole big segment here. Let's go to our hot privacy tips that you guys have been witnessing throughout the entire show. Uh, we do have quizzes and they're kind of a way to get you thinking about different privacy aspects. So the first one says, in the Signal app, what are disappearing messages? They are, of course, the ability to schedule messages to automatically delete after a certain period. Here is a little bit of an overview, a quick overview of why this is important. If you are sending encrypted messages to someone, that's fantastic, best first step. But if anyone physically gets access to either the device, your device or the device of the person you sent it to, they have complete access to all of your message history. It's not great. Uh, I always set in my settings on Signal to default delete messages after four weeks. It means that every new chat I start, it will immediately delete those messages after four weeks. I figure that's a long enough time for me to get any important information down and then that message can disappear. And it just provides me peace of mind to know that I, I don't know what I I said, you know, five years ago, just to know that that stuff just isn't floating around in the ether that actually has disappeared. It's not logged in any services. It's not available on anyone's phone. So consider that if you're using Signal. Uh, what is the third party doctrine? This is a good question. It is a legal precedent that says that you do not own your data once you give it to a third party. It's one of the worst rules that we have. Snowden's always tweeting about it. It's just like, this is terrible. We need to overturn it. It is terrible. Um, it's the idea that, you know, phone companies, like the government doesn't have to get information from you using a warrant. Uh, we don't have to abide by the Fourth Amendment. Instead, they can just go to the phone company and get the data from them without even asking you because as soon as you enter into a contractual arrangement with a company, the government deems that as, well, you've given them consent to take this data, therefore you've given them permission to hand out that data to whoever they want, which is the stupidest thing. It makes me angry. Anyway, it is this legal precedent. And uh, final question, which of the following contains metadata? A, a photo, B, a PDF document, or C, both? 
metadata can look anywhere. It is indeed C. Metadata is on all of your digital artifacts and we have a video that teaches you how to scrub a lot of that metadata from documents before sharing them. Just helps protect your privacy a little more. So check that out if you haven't already. And now we have a winner of the quiz, Sam, my producer. Come on and introduce it. I'm going to give you a drum roll. Thank you so much, Naomi. And the winner of the Crypto Beat. Well, actually, this is Thursday, isn't it, Naomi? This is Privacy Beat. Privacy Beat, eternal glory. Prize goes to YouTube viewer Old School. Old School, congratulations. Old School. All right, you win Eternal Privacy Beat Glory, which is awesome. And Sam, give us some completely factual and definitely not made up facts about Old School. Well, apparently Old School's a rocker because Old School digs sick guitar solos. And you can see from his YouTube icon there, apparently Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a a rock Mm -hmm. and roller, being an overachiever. So old school's good at a lot of stuff. Yeah. And old school enjoys paying attention to important information, which is why he tunes into NBTV. Obviously. Congratulations, old school. Congratulations to all of you guys out there for wanting to become more empowered in your lives. A little bit of a um, uh, house... Uh, information about tomorrow. So tomorrow we do not have the Crypto Beat show at our regular time. We're actually changing the format of that. We're pushing that to a monthly show where it's going to be more focused on beginners. I know a lot of you watching this show are not that well versed in crypto probably. Maybe you're trying to understand it a little more. So we're going to be doing a monthly AMA that dives into all of the questions that you have, but maybe we're too embarrassed to ask. So if you have questions, add them in the comments, make sure that we see them and we will address those every time we have one of these crypto bait shows so that is the that is it from us uh for this week if you want more in-depth dives into crypto please do check out our crypto beat newsletter the link is in the description and you guys go and have a wonderful rest of your day wonderful weekend we'll see you here same time next week thursday 4 p.m with the privacy beat show thank you so much for tuning in bye